Okay, something weird's going on. Dogs are going wild, men are openly weeping, and women are storing chocolate in their cheeks. Is it winter? Al, do you know what day it is today? Well, Shredu, it's, it's our anniversary. It's Valentine's Day. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. This is Luigi. Well, I guess you don't recognize me because I bulked up a little since the last time you saw me. Good day, my good man. Would you be so kind to tell Miss Brooks that Chris Gunter is here at last? Here at last. Thank God Almighty, he's here at last. I'm Alyssa, and now I know how Tom Arnold feels. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the nudie bar today, and there are red hearts and cupids all over the place. Valentine's Day lap dances are half price today if you come in with your spouse. So we are rocking and rolling. It's Valentine's Day, a little early this year. <laughs> we are very excited because we have a special guest host today, Alyssa. Hi. So, hi. So, Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thanks. So, Alyssa, tell us, how did you get into Married with Children? I've been watching Married with Children since day one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an oldie. <laughs> um, my first episode, I remember, was when the episode where um, the Rhodes dog gets shot. Oh, man. Season one. <laughs> And then uh, the, my, my so that was like my most uh, vivid memory of it. And then when I got older, my favorite episode was the shopping spree episode. Um, you better shop around. That was like the best episode. It's still my favorite to this day. Yeah. And Chris, I think you mentioned that's one of your favorites. as yep. well. Yep. That's it's, my number one episode in the whole series. It's the best. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey, Alyssa? I mean, you were a fan from the beginning, but like, I mean, how, how did you keep up with being a fan of the show through the years? I went through like a year where I was obsessed with it after it was long gone. <laughs> I just started buying all the DVDs, going to all the websites. This is before Facebook had a, you know, a married children page and, or a podcast. It was a while ago, but um, I just, I just love the show. I love the, uh, the, the sexual innuendos. It cracks me up and I just, I, I just love it. I, I, I think it's one of the it, it's one of the shows that it's near and dear to my heart because I grew up with it. I literally grew up with it. Uh, that, that's great. <laughs> you know, and I think all of us have our married with children uh, stories. I mean, myself, I'm just like you. I watched the Fox premiere back mm -hmm. in 1987. Mm -hmm. I was eight years old. I wasn't yet nine. <laughs> and I, I fell in love with the show and I watched it. Here I am, what, 20 seven years later yeah, and I'm still watching it and it still entertains me. It does to me too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 27. What am I saying? That's 27 years is this, uh, this season. Yeah. You're, you're the same age as me. I was eight years old in this premiere. Yeah. 30, uh, what'd it be? 33 years. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So we are reviewing today. Valentine's day massacre season eight, episode 17, original air date, February 13th, 1994 director, Jerry Cohen, Writer, Cindy Beagle. Special guest stars, Julie Condra as Crystal Brooks. Avner Garby as Omar. Jane Lynch as Greta. <laughs> Patty Edwards as Betty. 
Charles Bovier as Mac, Dan Doherty as Bodyguard, Jeff Bennett as Mayhem, David Carrera as Pinworn, <laughs> Lorna Scott as Rita, and Stephanie Dicker as Woman. <laughs> Al battles other husbands at a store for last-minute Valentine's Day shoppers. Meanwhile, Bud gets physically and sexually abused when trying to find his long-lost Valentine girl, who is now a famous pop star. Sunday, it's a night of indecent proposals. First, roses are red. Babe, your butt looks bitchin'. Daisies are white. Ribbon! Can't we win them? Yeah. Love's in the air. They sent up a cute one this time. No! On Valentine's night. Now I know how Tom Arnold feels. And all new Married with Children. Then George finds a woman he can relate to. It seems like you have a history of unhealthy relationships. Does that bother you? No, I find it very encouraging. And all new George Carlin Show, right after Married with Children Sunday. The title for this comes from the St. Valentine's Day Massacre the 1929 murder of seven members and associates of Chicago's Northside Gang. The men were gathered at a Lincoln Park garage on the morning of Valentine's Day. They were lined up against the wall and shot by four unknown assailants who were dressed like police officers. The incident resulted from the struggle to control organized crime in the city during prohibition between the Irish Northsiders, headed by George Bugs Moran, and their Italian Southside rivals led by Al Capone. The perpetrators have never been conclusively identified, but former members of Egan's Rats gang working for Capone are suspected of a significant role, as are members of the Chicago Police Department who allegedly wanted revenge for the killing of a police officer's son. So Kelly walks down the stairs and has a conversation with Peg. Hey, Mom. What you doing? Oh, I'm just looking through the Valentines I've gotten from your father over the years. <laughs> he was really quite the romantic in his day. I like coffee, I like tea, I like you, I like me. <laughs> he was really stuck on us. <laughs> so this is a reference to a song called Java Jive by the Ink Spots, which lyrics begin, I like coffee, I like tea. Annabelle did some research on this and appears to come from a jump rope skipping chant that goes back at least to the 1920s, which goes like this. I like coffee. I like tea. How many boys are stuck on me? One, two, three, four, etc. Because Peg says Al was stuck on us. The Ink Spots were an American vocal jazz group who gained international fame in the 1930s and 40s. Their unique musical style presaged the rhythm and blues and rock and roll musical genres and the subgenre doo-wop. The Ink Spots were widely accepted in both white and black communities, largely due to the ballad style introduced by the lead singer Billy Kenny. In 1936, the Ink Spots were the first African Americans to appear on television. Then in 1948, they continued to be television pioneers by becoming the first black performers to appear on El Sullivan's successful TV show. In 1989, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Ink Spots were mentioned in several episodes of the 1970s NBC sitcom Sanford and Son as one of Fred Sanford's favorite groups, with series star Red Fox crooning their song, If I Don't Care. Reportedly, Red Fox had royalties for singing their music, taken out of his salary, out of love for the group, and because NBC wouldn't personally pay for the rights. Michael Moy wrote for Sanford, the sequel to Sanford and Son. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Hey, I got something to add. I know um, Alex will appreciate this, but man, 
Kelly looks amazing there in that blue dress, <laughs> doesn't she? Man, she, she she's, dress. oh yeah, man. It looked it looked like uh, they they sewed that on her. I don't know how she got in and out of it. Oh, oh man, <laughs> she, she looked good coming down those stairs, man. <laughs> so we find out that Bud has a Valentine's Day card that should have been delivered six years earlier. Oh, here's something you don't see every day. What? A Valentine's for Bud? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. It's never even been opened. Well, hold it up to the light, see who it's from. Oh, good idea. <laughs> Bernice Winchester. Hey, I remember this. Bernice gave it to me, and I was supposed to give it to Bud. When? Six years ago. <laughs> well, you can just give it to him today, unless he's gotten some new ones. Well, we'll know soon. I think I hear him checking the mailbox now. Now, I wanted to talk to you guys about this. So there's a continuity issue. Now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to us married with children fanatics, because mm-hmm. that's what we are, fanatics. Yes, we are. That's where the word fan comes from. There's a very famous Valentine's Day episode in season two. Peggy loves Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in that one, Bud did get a Valentine's Day card. Now, if you recall, Kelly borrowed a laundry bag from Peg, which uh, Peg said she didn't need, in order to get all of these Valentine's Day cards. So one of the cards that came out was a card from April, May, June. So based on what they talk about in this episode, Bernice Winchester's card, A.K. Crystal Brooks, should have been in that laundry bag. Ah. Yep. yep, yep, you're right. It says six years earlier, so. Now, one thing that was interesting was that April at the time had said that all the girls thought he was cute. And Bud said, well, then why did I only get one stinking Valentine? <laughs> <laughs> so this was a second Valentine. I take it there's no mail? Actually, you got a Valentine's Day card. Yeah, right. Bud, there really is a card here for you. Really, Mommy? Really? (laughs) It's not another one from Grandma. (laughs) Or Buck. (laughs) Hmm? What? Dinner? No? Okay. Listen, before you open it, there's something I should tell you. Now, I was supposed to give this to you six years ago, but I forgot. Well, because quite frankly, you repulsed me. <laughs> oh, come on, Bud. It's just a stupid Valentine's card. It's not like you miss out on some once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Dearest Bud, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> My parents won't be home tonight, and I need you more than anything. Please don't stand me up. It would destroy me. Love, Bernice Winchester. (laughs) Kelly? (laughs) Do you know who Bernice Winchester is? Yeah. She's a girl we went to school with who liked you and coincidentally got kicked in the head a lot during soccer. (laughs) Not quite, Miss Festival Seating. (laughs) For your information... Bernice Winchester is now Crystal Brooks. Crystal Brooks, the pop star? Hmm. 
And if you also recall from that episode, Bud was sort of like hanging out with April, May, June for the rest of the day. Right. So it's a continuity issue. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, did you think that maybe they thought about that when they wrote this episode? They might have. The other thing that I thought was funny is like when Kelly actually reads the card, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually, I mean, I forget the exact wording, but basically she was inviting Bud over for sex is the, you know, the, the gist of it. And in that season two episode, Bud would have been what? 13? <laughs> Cause he that's was, what I was thinking. Uh, Cause Bud, what, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bud was 12 in season one, right? So we can right. assume he's yeah. about 13 at the oldest in season two. Right. <laughs> So I don't know. I just I, I guess we don't know exactly how old uh, Crystal Brooks is, but we're to assume she's around the same age. <laughs> I don't know. They, they, I, I, you know, I mentioned before I grew up in a conservative household, but no, no girl wrote me a love note like that when I was thirteen. I tell you. That. Yeah, that's pretty provocative. <laughs> for I, I wish I would. I wish I would have got a, a a card like that when I was thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree. You know, the, the age issue was one of the things I was going to bring up. So thanks for mentioning that because, yeah. you know, six years earlier. So at this point in time, we're saying that Bud is what, 18 years old? Well, I believe so, yeah. He was 18 in season six. Remember he had an episode when he went to the new movie bar? Right, right. All right. So that makes him 20, Alyssa. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so so even still, so even still, we're talking what, 14 years old? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's a bit of a continuity error in itself, though, because she's she's correct. We know he was 18 in season six in the nudie bar episode. Uh, however, we're, we're told that he's 12 in season one and Kelly's 15. So uh, see what I mean? We're, we're losing some years there. But yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's the same thing, though. I mean, even when I was 14, I, I, I never got a Valentine's Day card like that when I was 14. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Like, let me ask you, did any of you guys ever get like Valentine's Day cards? Like I remember, for example, for myself, when I was in high school, they had mailboxes for your homeroom. So on Valentine's Day, cards would be delivered or sometimes flowers to those mailboxes. So they would be distributed. So I did get my fair share of Valentine's Day cards. So I was just curious, maybe uh, what you guys experienced at that age. No, I didn't get any Valentine's. I didn't start dating until I was out of high school. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess the my answer is, are we talking about like real Valentines? Or are we talking about like, because what I mean, I remember like starting in first grade, we had these little like lunch sacks where you would bring Valentine's Day cards for your your friends. But I mean, it was something where you buy them, you buy them for like two dollars for a package of like a 100 of them at Walmart. And it's they're like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle themes or <laughs> like Barney themed or like Power Ranger themed, whatever. And you give every single person one in class a card, you know, even your teacher. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's the only ones I got really until, you know, probably high school age. You know, you start, you know, you I don't know that I ever got actually got a card. But, I mean, I, you know, I gave a girl I, I gave girl cards and I gave them flowers and stuff like that, you know. So we find out that this Valentine's Day card comes from Bernice Winchester and Kelly. Uh, doesn't know that Bernice Winchester is now a pop star named Crystal Brooks. So this is another continuity issue <laughs> I wanted to bring up because when they look for like stars who had graduated from Polk High, you know, Al Bundy seems to be the most famous of them all. 
So, you know, I would think that Crystal Brooks would be more famous than Al Bundy. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a <laughs> if she was, point. if she, if she went to Polkai. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Al enters the living room, and he wonders what's going on. going on. Dogs are going wild, men are openly weeping, and women are storing chocolate in their cheeks. <laughs> is it winter? Al, do you know what day it is today? Well, Shredu, it's, it's our anniversary. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, you know, I think this is funny. I mean, that whole, this whole scene, because you know, how many men, you know, I, I'll speak for men in general. Usually men forget things. You know, I remember, for example, for Valentine's Day, uh, my my sisters would call my dad. And you know, I remember back in the days when people had beepers and he would call back and he'd be like, yeah, what's the matter? He's like, do you know what today is? And he's like, um, is it somebody's birthday? <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's Valentine's Day. To be like, Oh shit! It's like, it's like go buy your mom some flowers. I'll give you the money when I get home tonight. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just curious. It's like uh, you guys have like similar types of stories about people forgetting holidays like Valentine's Day. Mm, not really. No, I mean I, I I take good notes for big dates. I mean you know out Valentine's Day, birthdays, Christmas, Christmas things like that. Well, yeah, no one's gonna forget Christmas, but. I usually I usually set myself enough enough reminders and notes or whatever to forget it to not forget it. Otherwise, I would. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. I take it you got me nothing. Ah, oh, come on, Peg. I knew it was Valentine's Day. I got you something right here. Uh, I got you this here dollar. Now this dollar <laughs> is a special dollar, Peg, uh, because if you see the serial number ends in a uh, D. D means. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Day, Peg. So this is interesting because one of my hobbies is I'm actually a coin collector. Oh. So do either of you know what the serial number ending in D actually means? No. You know, they go A, A through, I think, L, if I'm not mistaken. It's like, the, it's like 12 or th first 12 or 13 letters, if I'm not mistaken, of the alphabet. I know there's different Federal Reserve banks. There's the one, uh, I believe there's one in Boston. I think there's one in Cleveland. And then there's the one in Philadelphia, I believe. So, yeah. You, you, uh, you're, you're actually, you're right on it, uh, Chris. So the answer is D means that it was issued to the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. Hmm. Oh, okay. So A is Boston, B is New York, uh, C might be Philadelphia, and D is Cleveland. So uh, just a, a little tidbit. That's interesting. Wow. I'm going to look at my dollars now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We hear Al's Valentine's Day card to Peg. Come on, honey. You were so romantic in high school. Like, just look at this. I love your hooters. I love your ass. What say we meet after class? <laughs> I was the silver-tongued devil, wasn't I? <laughs> oh, man. 
I don't think I've ever had a relationship where I can honestly say where I could put that on a card where she, she had that type of sense of humor where I could put that on a card and it would go over <laughs> well. I wish I did. Like, I think something like that's hilarious. Like, that's the type of relationship I want right there where I can put that on a card and it'd be okay. How about you, man? <laughs> yeah. But you know what I don't understand is the dialogue that came right after that. Peg says to Al, I want you to be like that again. <laughs> And Al responds, well, Peg, I want you to be like that again. <laughs> that was great. So maybe Alyssa, like, yeah. help me out with this one. Like, you know, like, what's your take on that? Because it's like Peg is always pestering Al for sex yeah. or for, you know, anything. So it's like, like, what, what's really changed between the two of them? Like, what, what, what's your take on it? I've always tried to figure this out. Peg is hot. Why doesn't he ever want to have sex with her? <laughs> well... I mean, I think that's the million dollar question. I, I was actually talking to someone about this last night. And, and the simple answer is, you know, because she ruined his life by, you know, popping out two rotten kids and she sits <laughs> around and doesn't work and eats bonbons all day. That all the normal things that she does. But yeah, I mean, that's something everyone always asks. Why doesn't he want to have sex with her? She's hot. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know if you guys listened to the Valentine's Day roundtable that we did last year. Well, actually, it was, it was the beginning of this year, 2020, uh, that I did with Stephen Scott and Tyler Tigno. You know, we talked about this, and we did talk a little bit about this episode. You know, my take on it, and actually Ed O'Neill spoke about it in one of his interviews. He said that it was all about the boredom. Yeah. In other words, when you're married for many, many years, like, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, things are not as exciting anymore because it's like... When you don't have, when you have something available to you every day, you sort of take it for granted and it becomes, I, you know, part of, it just becomes part of the, your mundane life. I mean, we've all been living in COVID, let's say for the last, <laughs> yeah. you know, X number of months. And what I find interesting is the, the things that people used to take for granted, like let's say um, going out to a restaurant or going to the gym. It's like now that people can't do that, do it. Mm -hmm. That's what they crave. Like that's what they're focused that's on. They're more focused right. on, on something that you, because you can't have it. Yeah. And there's been a couple of episodes, you know, like when the circumcision episode, <laughs> another yep. one of my favorites. <laughs> yep. So in the circumcision episode, what happened there? It's like Al couldn't have sex with Peg you know, for a medical reason. And then all of a sudden, you know, once he's healed, that's the first thing he goes for, goes yeah. to do. Yeah, he literally tears tears the door down to get to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's part, you know, that's that's part and parcel in it. But uh, I think it, it makes for great comedy. Yep, sure does. It, I mean, it keeps us like wanting more and more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, I think that's one of the funny, funnest, uh, funniest running gags of the show. The sex thing, the battle thing between the two of them. You know, we at one point we were keeping track of the sex points, but I think Peg is so far ahead now that it's useless to, to do it. But but um, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, the, just the sex battle between the two of them is always funny. <laughs> it's very entertaining. Yeah. And for the record, she does score the sex point on this episode. Yeah, she sure does. Yep. So Al sits with Kelly, and Al asks Kelly to explain to him what's romantic. Kelly, what's romantic? Daddy, you know, women like candy and flowers and cards, and not the kind with some naked fat chick on it going, I know it's around here somewhere. I like that one. 
Daddy, it's Valentine's Day. Women like men to be sweet and sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty funny. A, a man sitting down with his daughter and asking for advice on romance. <laughs> so now we get introduced to one of Kelly's boyfriends, who goes by the name of Mayhem. Whoa, babe, your knobs look huge. <laughs> you ready? Yes, and don't call me babe. Daddy, this is my Valentine's date mayhem. Huh. Charmed. <laughs> I love all the names of her boyfriends. They're so funny. I, I, I think my favorite of all is T-Bone. <laughs> he sounds delicious. That's that's right. <laughs> Uh, so Mayhem is played by Jeff Bennett. I mean, he just has a few lines. According to this, he has a number of acting credits. Many, actually. Uh, more power to him. <laughs> <laughs> so Jefferson comes in with a bouquet and some chocolates. Oh, to be young and free. Now what the hell? I'm good looking and kept. <laughs> oh, Jefferson, you Judas. You knew the beast of all holidays was upon us. Now, where can I go get some Valentine's Day crap? Look, Al, it's 7.30 on Valentine's Day. The malls are picked clean. Now, you know, Chris, we, we spoke about this in some other episodes that we've uh, reviewed this season. Uh -huh. uh, there's a lot of biblical references. Yeah. We heard a reference to uh, Psalm 23. I mean, a couple of, like, allusions to these, uh, uh, I guess, what do, you, what do I want to call them? It's just like almost like these Christian images. Yeah. Which I find very, well, Judeo-Christian, I guess Psalm 23 uh, handles the Old Testament as well. It's just very, yeah. I think it's very funny because it's like, oh, Jefferson, instead of saying you traitor, it's like you Judas. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, everybody, I think Judas is one of the most well-known, not only in the Bible, but in pop culture, too. He's just known as the, the ultimate betrayer. You know, he betrayed uh, Jesus, who, which led to his crucifixion, you know. So I guess Al sees himself as a Jesus-like uh, character? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> do, do, you guys, do you guys think that this would fly nowadays if that line was in a TV show? Uh, well, pro I mean... Pro maybe, maybe not. There, there's, there's a much bigger thing later in the episode that I think won't fly. I'll point that out when we get there. But there's, okay. to me, there's a, a much, much bigger thing. I don't think that joke would be that big of a problem. I mean, yeah, there might be some people that would get offended and write a letter or yeah. leave a review online. But I don't think it would be that big of a deal. I think people would laugh. But I think, Alyssa, you bring up a great point. Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things we, we've talked about, I mean, Alex and crew has talked about that for the last seven seasons. And here we are in the middle of uh, season eight mm -hmm. and the themes just, they, they keep coming. It's like, there's a lot of things that they did in during this time period that really wouldn't fly anymore. Definitely. And I just think that people have become overly sensitive because the show in and of itself is all satire. Yeah, absolutely. It's just out there to entertain us and to use imagery to make us laugh. But unfortunately, some, some of that imagery is sensitive to certain groups today. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could think of like, you know, when uh, Kelly does the ice hole commercial, I mean, that's coming up in a few seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's the, uh, the guy dressed up like an Eskimo. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, and you know, we talked about this where the show is not overtly racist, but they'll occasionally uh, give a, a racist joke, you know, to just, they'll point out race in order to make a lighthearted joke. Right. Yeah. So, so the guy who's sitting down, like just sort of makes this comment. that's like, Oh, are you like the, the strapping uh, uh, stud or are you the Eskimo? Right. And the guy's <laughs> like, what do you think? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, like I said, it just makes for uh, great television again, just, just to laugh. So now we find out that there's a Valentine's Day store. Anyway, look, Al, here's what you better do. You better get thee to the Valentine's store. Good idea. Mm-hmm. What's a Valentine's store? <laughs> well, it's a specialty shop that caters to rogue husbands like you. It's a little more expensive. Their motto is... You're so desperate we don't need a motto. <laughs> well, next time you are to think and shop ahead like me. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> now, I mean, I've heard of Halloween stores. I mean, yeah. like, I've actually, in as early as like the end of July, you start seeing those things pop up, at mm-hmm. least, you know, in the area of the U.S. where I live, and I live in the Northeast. But mm-hmm. I've never, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Valentine's Day store. Have no, you? that's totally made up for the show. Yeah, I don't believe so. I've seen a lot. Are you, are you, by the way, are you talking about the spirit of Halloween? Is that what they call it up in your area? Uh, yeah, it's like similar similar to that. Now, we have this multi-purpose building that's by the main road where I live, and it's it's the Halloween store around uh, around Halloween time. And then uh, during New Year's and the 4th of July, it's a huge fireworks building. Uh, <laughs> so it's multi-purpose. And then uh, during the months of... Uh, February, it sells all Western and rodeo gear because here in Texas, the whole month of March is the rodeo. Mm-hmm. So it it's it has it wears different hats throughout the year, but I've never seen it sell Valentine's Day stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Soon we're going to see that Valentine's Day store, so uh, we'll talk about it when we get there. But I mean, I thought that was just brilliant. And, and to be honest with you, I feel like the writer really zeroed in on something because I know plenty of people who've told me like they forget about Valentine's day or like they don't actually have their stuff. And, you know, if you think about it nowadays, you can go online and probably in a few clicks, you could send somebody an edible arrangement. You'll, you'll spend a lot of money, but it'll get delivered same day. But in 1994, when this episode is airing that none of that stuff was really available. So, you know, either you were buying like flowers uh, off of, uh, at an off ramp <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and like that were like uh like wilted and like half dead but at least you had you put some effort in it but you really couldn't do that type of valentine's day shopping at the same um instance so going to a valentine's day store would have made sense at that point in time mm-hmm. yeah so bud comes down and he talks about how he found crystal brooks hey mr darcy hey bud. dad you tell kelly i found crystal brooks she's performing here in town and she's staying at the emperor hotel I'm going to go see her and set things straight. Ha ha, witchy woman, bite me. Now, it was very subtle on that scene when Bud leaves because you sort of see that he glances over to where Al and Jefferson are sitting. And then in the next scene, you see that uh, the bouquet and chocolates that Jefferson walked in have, have disappeared. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, it's very subtle because then when you when he opens up the elevator doors at the hotel you see him walking in with the same bouquet and chocolates <laughs> pretty funny it is funny so he now has given jefferson a conundrum because jefferson now has nothing to give marcy yep 
and that that has a payoff at the end. <laughs> now, just going back to uh, the Valentine's Day store, <laughs> uh, they they say that you know it's a specialty shop that caters to rogue husbands. <laughs> rogue husbands. <Yeah. laughs> well, you know, you know what the interesting thing is. Like we're we're laughing and making fun at it. I actually think that would be a good idea for a store, like and like that multi <laughs> that multi purpose building that I was talking about. Set it up around. A G, I don't know, around January 25th, something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Set it up around January 25th and have it open up until February 14th. <laughs> I think it, because I mean, think about it. Ha- uh, Valentine's Day is a huge, huge holiday in the United States. And there's a lot of pressure on husbands and boyfriends and, and, and wives and, and girlfriends uh, to an extent. But you know what I mean? I, I think it would be a hit. The one thing I have to disagree with you on, Chris, is that, I mean, I think the onus is really on the on the men to do the work for Valentine's Day. Well, yeah, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be, I was trying to be polite. <laughs> I don't know, Alyssa. I mean, come on. You're the female uh, tonight. So I what, think what that are... um, you could just go to the Dollar Tree and pick up that stuff at any time. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I was just thinking. I was like, I, I, I just feel like if it were in one centralized location, have a bunch of chocolate, flowers, Although people like the the really big things that people get is like jewelry and things like that. You wouldn't you mm-hmm. you're not going to go to a, a Valentine's Day store for that. So yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, like for both girlfriends and I was married with my ex wife. I always made sure that I ordered like with one eight hundred flowers at least a month in advance because you could get some discounts. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you wanted to make sure that those flowers uh, were shipped at the right time. I'll tell you. It's just interesting. Like on February 14th, like a dozen roses would be like a hundred bucks. But, you know, February 15th, it was like, you know, 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. 90% markdown. Yep. It's just like buying Christmas decorations on December 26th. If you need to buy some Christmas stuff, buy it on December 26th. <laughs> you will get a heck of a deal. <laughs> so now we get introduced to Crystal Brooks's security guard. Good day. Good day, my good man. Uh, would you be so kind as to tell Miss Brooks that uh, Bud Bundy's here at last, here at last. Thank God Almighty, he's here at last. Well, I see someone's hooked on phonics tape was lost in the mail. No problem. You tell Miss Brooks that Bud is here and there's a cool nickel in it for you. Now, what do you say? (laughs) Bud says to tell him that uh, Bud Bundy's here at last, here at last. (laughs) Thank God Almighty, he's here at last. <laughs> so that's a reference to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech from 1963, which yep. ends with free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. <laughs> now, Alyssa, I have a question for you. Okay. Some of the things that you know we've talked about in season eight have to do with the writing. So mm-hmm. I was a member of the Married with Children podcast research team with Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And for Alex, we would research the script and you know we'd analyze the script and try to figure out where these uh, uh, allusions and references are coming from because we really feel like again in terms of my 
what I like about the show and what I've always liked about the show is that I thought it had some very smart writing. Oh, absolutely. So like, like what, what's your reaction to stuff like that? It's like you laugh at it because it's like they've taken a very, something that's very famous and twisted it, you know, to give, to deliver some humor, but you know, not every, it sometimes flies over people's heads. And I think that was one of the things that people who were haters of the show never really understood. Okay. Well, my opinion is, Season eight is absolutely one of the best seasons. Season five and season eight. Those are my favorite seasons. Because I think that season eight, they finally got their niche back, you know, and they were able to, um, you know, seven was gone. (laughs) It's like a move on. (laughs) And they just had some amazing episodes in season eight. And the writing has always just been very funny to me in any season. But I mean, season seven was kind of lacking it a little bit. There's some hit and miss episodes in there. But season eight is a pretty solid season. So, Chris, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree for the most part. Uh, yeah, she she mentioned season five. Season five is my favorite season in the entire series. But Absolutely. What, one thing I wanted to point out that I think is funny here is how confident Bud is when he first walks up. It's like, think about it. If if a girl had given had had given me a card when we were you know twelve or thirteen or fourteen, however real, I guess about fourteen. And then I never, I never responded for whatever reason, even though it was no fault of my own or whatever. And then six years later, she's a famous pop star. I wouldn't have the balls to go up to her hotel room. Cause like, and he walks up as if he's her savior or something. He's like, he's like, thank God almighty, Bud's here at last. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was so confident. Like she's going to walk out the door and just like be so thankful that he's there. You know, <laughs> I'm like, Wow. He's always really confident, though, I think. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That That's one good thing about Bud is like, you know, when he's home alone or whatever, he may look down or depressed or whatever. But man, <laughs> when he walks up to a chick, I don't mm-hmm. care how I don't care how hot she is or famous she is or whatever. Man, he he gives her he at least tries to give her the goods. A lot of times he, he puts gets, on the charm. The bundy Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He tries to do the Bundy charm. A lot of times he gets smacked or thrown across the movie theater or whatever yeah. it might be. But he tries. You can't say he doesn't try. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's interesting. You know, we haven't talked about uh, shark jumping. I mean, there was a lot of talk about that in season seven yeah. uh, because of seven. And I'll say, you know, halfway through season eight, I think we've had some really good writing. Absolutely. I can't say that we really see a shark jump yet. Maybe season nine is when it started to jump the shark a little bit. But I can't think of a specific episode. I, I agree. I've I've always said that the criticism towards season seven and, and even season six to an extent is unfair. I think the show is really solid throughout season eight and nine. I think season 10 is really where it started to run out of gas. I, I don't even call it jumping the shark. I just call it. I mean, when you're on the air for 10 seasons, 10, mm-hmm. 11 seasons, you just start to run out of gas. And I think that's what happened about halfway through season 10. And then on into 11, I, th- I just think the show was running on empty, really. <laughs> and we'll talk more about that when we get there. But yeah, yeah. I, think se- I think season eight and nine are very, very good for the most part. Yeah, you know, what I mentioned in the season seven wrap-up show is that when you look at season eight, this was the season when they actually left the Bundy living room. Because season seven, they spent a lot of time really in the living room uh, talking, you know, with seven and a lot of stuff happening between the Bundys and the, and the Darcy's. Mm-hmm. Now in season eight, we had the no ma'am episode. 
Yes. Uh, we have a lot more things going on in the shoe store. They're trying to get more storylines. In this episode, you have interchange between the living room, the hotel, and the Valentine's Day store. Right. So, so it makes for great comedy. And you have other characters, a lot of guest stars in the episode. So that changes the dynamic, but that only takes you so far. As you said, Chris, you know, we're going to continue this journey that Alex started and <laughs> we will analyze it as we get closer yeah. to the end. Bud says to the security guard, well, I see someone's hooked on phonics tape was lost in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys remember that? Yes, it's such a I nice do. joke. I love it. Hooked on Phonics works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Hooked on Phonics helps open the world of reading and imagination. Once upon a time in a land far away, a very small girl named Thumbelina traveled to the land of enchantment. On this magical journey, Thumbelina met Prince Cornelius. They fell in love and flew far away, and waving goodbye to their friends, they lived happily ever after. So now we have Al in the Valentine's Day store. I have here this last box of 12 bite-sized assorted chocolates. <laughs> the opening bid is $25. Get a move on, Omar, it's after nine. In that case, the opening bid is $35. <laughs> $35. Do I hear 45? 45. 55. Do I hear 65? 65. 75. Do I hear 85? I don't. Sold to the shoe salesman? Yes. $75. I won. I won. I bought chocolates for $75. Give me. Now, you know, before we talk about that, doesn't it look like the shoe store, like reconfigured? Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I never noticed that. You know, I'm watching the episode. I, I'm scrolling through the episode right now. I never noticed that. It totally does. You have to be looking at it at the, at the right angle. But you could totally see it. It almost looks like that they're from a different angle and they just put that red curtain up in the background to cover up like where the cash register would be or something. Al thinks that he's bidding on a 12 bite size assorted chocolate box <laughs> whose opening bid is $25. So they go back and forth and that goes up to $75. And Al finds out that he's paid $75 for one piece of chocolate. <laughs> I mean, and if you think about it, you know, at 9 p.m. on Valentine's Day, that's probably the best deal you can get. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because, I mean, if, you, if it's 9 p.m. and you're just not getting your wife a present, uh, you're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you're toast. Put it that way. All right. So we cut back to Bud, and he's trying to get past the bodyguard. Okay, Sasquatch. <laughs> it's checkout time. Oh, good. They sent a cute one this time. Huh? What? Oh, for the love of God, no! No! Oh, 
this is like, I don't know, the, the fourth or fifth reference we have to Sasquatch and the abominable snowman in Married with Children. Really? There was one episode in season seven where it was mentioned twice. Huh. It was an episode that actually I reviewed with Alex and Jamie. This was the one when they go to the camp. The camp. No, excuse me, not to the fishing cabin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fishing cabin where uh, Al wants to go fishing and the, the two of them spend the entire week arguing with each other. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. Someone has something with that. I mean, and it's like this guy has a nice set of head of hair like Fabio, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if he looks like the abominable snowman. <laughs> <laughs> So we cut back to the Valentine's Day store. And to me, this is an iconic scene. It's hilarious. <laughs> now serving number 2009. That's fine. <laughs> I'd like uh, one dozen red roses. One bouquet of wallet breakers. <laughs> okay, sir. Now, how do you intend to pay? Cash, check, or deed to your house? Do you take blood? <laughs> what can I get for 50 bucks? That woman, Patty Edwards, was born in 1931 and died in 1999. She has 84 acting credits on IMDb. Wow. But she plays, and according to this, she's English. Huh. She was born in Bristol, England. But let me tell you, she makes like this <laughs> chain smoking, you know, like I've seen it all type of life. Like, you know, she's like she's been hanging out with mobsters her whole life. <laughs> yep. She's like now serving 2009. Yep. You know, <laughs> one does one bouquet of wallet breakers. Yep. And I love that line. It's like, okay, how do you intend to pay? Cash check or deed to your house? That's so funny. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was a great line, man. That was a great line. And you're right about like the appearance and the chain smoking. Like her voice matches her appearance so well. As far as the casting and the wardrobe there, it, it looks really good. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And, you know, when Al says, do you take blood? I mean, when they pan in on that guy, I mean, he looks dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, the, the makeup person deserved an Emmy Absolutely. on that one. He was so pale. Yeah, that guy looks like he's literally on his deathbed. <laughs> like, how many pints of blood did he give? I mean, well, we learned, we learned in season, I think it was season six from Al that you don't actually need blood. You just have, you just have to keep your brain wet. Remember? Keep your brain wet. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Cheese cute. Cheese cues and blood, or yep. when he pays the water bill in, in uh, season seven. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on Rita? All right, so this, you remember earlier in the in the episode, I, I said I, there was a scene that I think would, there would be big problems with, early, uh, you know, if it were to air in the year 2020. This is the scene. And first of all, this scene doesn't bother me because hardly anything offends me, but they're essentially joking about rape. <laughs> I mean, even though it's a woman raping a man, <laughs> I, I think, personally, I think there would be big problems with this <laughs> in today's PC culture. You know what I mean? I mean, I thought it's hilarious, but I think there would be big problems. I don't think this episode, I don't, I don't think that scene could air on network television today. 
Yeah, with the Me Too movement, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do not think that scene could air in no way, shape, or form, period. They would literally just have to skip that scene of him. They would basically just have to edit him out being pulled into that room, <laughs> is what it comes yeah. down to. And that's a great point on sensibilities, because, you know, when it's a female being raped, it, it's generally has always been looked at as a very serious thing. But it's almost been a joke when, like, you talk about a male getting raped. Yeah. I mean, because that's really the connotation around this joke. I mean, not to say that it's not serious. The The writers at this point in time, they were just trying to entertain people and make laugh. I mean, I just want to point out again, the writer for this episode, main writer was a woman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Making a joke, but you're absolutely right. I mean, what's people's sensibilities today? Now, in this case, Bud is actually an adult. I mean, I think that if he were, if if you had tried this joke and let's say Bud was 16, I, I don't even know if back in 1994, people would have thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, don't get me wrong. I think it's hilarious, but I don't think, I don't think it, it could air. <laughs> even no. though it's a man, even though it's a man so being either. raped, even though it's a man being raped, I don't think it would air. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> Now I know how Tom Arnold feels. <laughs> Do you guys know the connotation behind that? Well, I know he was married to Roseanne. There you go. <laughs> Tom Arnold met Roseanne Barr when she, he saw her act back in 1983. Their relationship was complicated by his alcoholism, drug addiction, but eventually became sober. They married in 1990 and they divorced in 1994. Ooh. So I imagine that it was contemporaneous. That story was happening uh, around the same time as this episode was being filmed and aired. Yeah, 94. So now we see Jane Lynch. Well, it's about time you got here. You must walk my winky. Don't your bellhop. You can walk your own winky. <laughs> Pay you $50. Here, Winky. Here, boy. <laughs> oh, that was a nice surprise. I love her. Uh, you want to tell us more about her? <laughs> yeah, she was on Glee. Uh, about the actual Jane Lynch person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was on Glee. Uh, she played, uh, I, oh, I can't remember her name, but she was the coach, the cheerleading coach. Real bitchy yep. cheerleading coach. Yep. She was also on all the, all the Christopher Guest movies, who I'm a huge fan of. She was in Best in Show and A Mighty Wind. And she's just hilarious. I love her. Yeah. So, I mean, and this was, you know, back in 1994, she was not as famous as she is today. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Great. Great to see her earlier in her career. You know what my favorite part of that scene is there, guys, is we get to see Bud's dummy. <laughs> Anytime they bring the dummies out, <laughs> anytime they bring the dummies out, whether they're being drugged around or falling off of a house or what have you, it's always hilarious, man. <laughs> when, that, when that dog started... <laughs> Dragging that dummy around. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, and what was the music playing in the background? Wasn't it? That was the theme to The Lone Ranger. That was the William Tell Overture from Giacchino Rossini from 1816. Very famous piece of opera music. Uh, here's some useless information for you because I'm a font of useless information. <laughs> A lot of this music, we hear it on Looney Tunes. <laughs> yep. And you heard it on The Lone Ranger. One of the reasons why they chose a piece of classical music for that was because they didn't have to pay musical royalties for the music. 
That makes sense. The music was in the public domain. So if you play a modern piece of music, you have to pay the composer for it. You know, and I, I think like the copyright is at least 70 years, if not longer. But if something was written 200 years ago, it's in the public domain. So you could play it as often as you want and have to pay anyone. So wow. one of the reasons why a lot of those cartoons from the 40s and 50s have classical music in them, hmm. just so that they don't have to pay anybody for uh, it. Using them. That is pretty, pretty cool. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. That. Yeah, thank you for that information. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, like I said, you know, that that and uh, 225 get you on the subway, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. <laughs> So the dog's name is Winky. So from Annabelle, our Married Witch Children Research Master, who I, I bow down to every day whenever we do these, <laughs> I, I'm just but a shadow. She mentioned that the name Winky has been mentioned more than once on Married Witch Children. In the yard sale <laughs> episode, the bird was the named bird. Winky. Yep. And in Requiem for a Dead Briard. So there was someone on staff who I guess either had a pet or had a thing for, for a pet named Winky. So I thought that was very interesting. So finally, Bud gets to the door and he pours his heart out. You forgot how he got even with the security guard. <laughs> he had the best revenge on him. <laughs> he like he took, he brought the cart over to the door and put a hamburger on top of it to entice the security guard. And then the security guard goes and eats the hamburger. And Bud, uh, when he's not looking, he knocks on the door of, I guess it's Rita, right? Rita? That's right. Yeah. He knocks on the door and (laughs) (laughs) he gets sucked in by Rita, the security (laughs) guard. It was so funny. Yeah. And he yells, Mommy! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That was pretty funny. Actually, one more thing. So we cut back to the Valentine's Day store and Al is in a fight with all the other men over the last remaining Valentine's Day card that's there. (laughs) The song that's playing in the background is My Funny Valentine. Now, that was a show tune from the 1937 uh, Richard Rogers and Lawrence Hart musical Babes in Arms, in which it was introduced by former child star Mitzi Green. The song became a popular jazz standard, appearing in over 1,300 albums performed by over 600 artists. I believe that the version that's playing in the background is the most famous one, which is by Ella Fitzgerald. So now we cut to Bud, who has now gotten to Crystal Brooks's door. 
Hi there. It's me, Bud Bundy. Well, I guess you don't recognize me because uh, I bulked up a little since the last time you saw me. <laughs> Let me refresh your memory. Six years ago, you sent me a touching valentine, which I never received until today. Now, I know we can never be lovers. <laughs> Look, if it's any consolation at all, I would have come over that night and we would have made beautiful, passionate, hot monkey love. Yeah! Crystal, someone's here to see you. <laughs> Hi there. It's me, Bud Bundy. I guess you don't recognize me. I heard you, Bud. That was a long time ago. I've moved on. Well, so have I. There are plenty of women in my life, too. Just five minutes ago, I had group sex. Look, I, I just came to apologize. I guess there's nothing else to say. Good luck with your career. I'm going to college myself. Unlike people who go to college together. <laughs> no chance on that lover thing? Sorry. Now, don't you think that was really funny? How he was pouring his heart out to this girl who wasn't Crystal? Yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> And the other thing that, that really cracked me up is when, he, you know, in the middle of his spiel, which, you know, he probably practiced a zillion times, but he goes, I know we can never be lovers and then pauses <laughs> to just to see what she'll say. You know what I mean? He's like, I know we can never be lovers. And it's like a, like a three second pause to see if <laughs> just to see what she'd say. And then he continues with the spiel. <laughs> just how any guy would do that at that age. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. <laughs> wouldn't he recognize that that wasn't I mean he knows who Crystal Brooks is that was my my one problem with this scene wouldn't he know that's not her agreed because that's what I'm trying to figure out I mean somebody can't change that much in six years yeah but not only that but he knew Crystal Brooks who, who Crystal Brooks was he knows what she looks like most likely oh yeah because she's a pop star right <laughs> right it didn't yeah, make any it's, sense to me it's Bud just she wouldn't have been on the internet, right? But she probably would have been like in Teen Magazine or something yeah, like that or back in 1994. Something. Yeah, is Bud just stupid or what? <laughs> <laughs> sort of be like if you went to school with Britney Spears or something and you went to her hotel to meet her and, and gave the spiel to her like personal assistant or something. <laughs> yeah. That was kind point. of, that kind of, I, I didn't like that, you know. <laughs> You know, I, what I'm what I loved was uh, the girl's reaction. I mean, it's like the look that she gives and the way she delivers it. It's like it's like, man, this guy's pathetic. It's like, Crystal, somebody's here to see you. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm surprised she didn't say, Crystal, some loser is here to see you because you could tell she was just like looking at it like a complete loser. <laughs> <laughs> so now we see Crystal. Very beautiful girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, now this is what's interesting. So the actress, Julie Condra, yep. appeared on Married with Children in the episode My Mom the Mom. She played Becky. Really? That's the episode when Peg goes to school and uh, tries to teach everyone how to do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Season three, right? Season three, episode 12. 
Correct. Mm -hmm. So we've seen her before, although since it's been uh, five years, I mean, she has grown up. So I think I'd like to go back and see what she looked like in season three. Well, I recognize her immediately because I'm a huge fan of the Wonder Years. And she was on the Wonder Years as this girl who was after Kevin. Really? No yeah, way. She was, uh, yeah, she was like, she played Madeline. Really? Mm -hmm. I, you know what? I'm going to have to go back and watch. I loved the Wonder Years. Oh, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. It, it's been years since I've seen it, but I, I would have to go back and do it. By the way, have you seen, not to get off topic here, but <laughs> have you seen the interviews recently of Fred Savage and uh, the girl who plays Wendy? They both Wendy? still uh, they both still look amazing. Oh, like, yeah, they look really good. Still. They look incredible. Like, they could do a reboot and jump right into the roles. And it would oh, be I'd amazing. love it if they did a reboot. Oh, yeah. They, did, did you, uh, Luigi, did you ever watch The Wonder Years? I definitely did, but it's been many years since I have watched it. Yeah, yeah. that's a very, very good show. Very she was show. in, like, three episodes, maybe four. I, I could be wrong on that, but she was in more than one episode of Wonder Years. I'd totally. I'd, I'd love to go back and watch that just just because you said so. <laughs> yeah, she was Great. pretty much the reason why they broke up. Kevin and Winnie broke up. Oh, man. Well, I don't like her anymore now. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of the great lines in that exchange with Crystal is he says, well, Crystal says, I've moved on. It's like, and Bud says, there are plenty of women in my life, too. Just five minutes ago, I had group sex. <laughs> <laughs> my husband caught that line and I didn't. And it, it, it was pretty funny. That he caught that, and I, I did not catch it at all. Because he kind of says it kind of quiet under his breath a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I think he was I think he was trying to figure out what to say, but he was ashamed to because he well I don't want her to know that I had sex with that woman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now we cut back to Marcy and Peg in the living room. Also, what if Al forgot Valentine's Day? He's not an elephant. He's a pig. <laughs> Besides, Valentine's Day is degrading. It's just another commercial holiday made up by Merlin Olson and the Hershey Candy Mob to fatten their wallets on our guilt. It's just disgusting. Is Jefferson getting you anything? He knows what's good for him. Well, I would have gotten him something too, but I seem to have misplaced my credit card. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. Oh, Jefferson. <laughs> Crystal penguin. Yeah. It's beautiful. It must have cost a fortune. Hey, price means nothing to me. <laughs> Say, uh, isn't that your credit card? Why, yes. Oh, this is my lucky day. Now, let's go home, honey, because I have a special Valentine treat for you, too. Uh, what's that? Well, that all depends on whether or not this bird was charged to my credit card. So Marcy says, oh, so what if Al forgot Valentine's Day? He's not an elephant. He's a pig. <laughs> How many times has she called him a pig, man? <laughs> so many times. I, I had a coworker who used to anytime like we would have like some kind of joke that had sexual innuendo that was like she would just like point to like three men all at the same time and she would say P I G pig like with one like finger she would like uh condemn us all in one <laughs> fell swoop. <laughs> Marcy says this one line. It's just another commercial holiday. This is about Valentine's Day. She says it's just another commercial holiday made up by Merlin Olson and the Hershey Candy Mob to fatten their wallets on our guilt. 
<laughs> so, so what? Who is Merlin Olson? I've heard the name, but I have no idea who that is. Okay, so Merlin Olson was an American football player, announcer, and actor. He played his entire 15-year professional football career in the NFL as a defensive tackle with the L.A. Rams. As an actor, he portrayed farmer Jonathan Garvey on Little House on the Prairie. After leaving that series, he starred in his own NBC drama, Father Murphy. Oh, okay. I guess like Merlin Olsen is like some sort of, I'm wondering like there's maybe like something with love. Uh, again, Little House on the Prairie or Father Murphy. So I guess it must be like wholesome. Uh, <laughs> there's a wholesome connotation around that actor. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Yeah. And then the Hershey Candy Mob. So I guess they're saying it's like uh, the Chocolatiers are like a, a cartel or, <laughs> or the Racketeers because they, <laughs> they try to fatten up well women on, uh, <laughs> on their guilt. <laughs> So Hershey's is a multinational company, one of the largest chocolate manufacturers in the world. It also manufactures baked products such as cookies, cakes, milkshakes, drinks, and many more. Its headquarters are in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is also home to Hershey Park and Hershey's Chocolate World. It was founded by Milton S. Hershey in 1894 as the Hershey Chocolate Company. So I've been there a few times Oh, cool. There's like a park and uh, there's a factory. And what's interesting about it is when you go through the town of Hershey, it's, the entire town smells like chocolate. Really? It, it, sm- <laughs> it reminds me of like a Willy Wonka. Oh, cool. In the chocolate factory. <laughs> and, the, and the light posts in Hershey, all of them have Hershey kisses at the top of them. Oh, how cute. So, so if you think about like a Bishop's Crook light pole. So in other words, it's like the old like New York style light poles you see in the 30s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it looks almost like a candy cane. That's called a bishop's crook. And on top of it is the Hershey's kiss. Oh, wow. Cute. I definitely would like to visit that uh, visit Hershey's for, uh, sometime in my life. <laughs> so Jefferson comes in the door and he's carrying a crystal penguin because Bud has stolen his bouquet and chocolate. <laughs> now. I think he wasn't a little too suave when uh, he sort of says, oh, look, look at the Marcy's credit card on the floor. Like uh, Marcy just mentioned that she couldn't find the credit card. And there it is, like right in front of her. Uh, he's such a bum. <laughs> but that's uh, uh, in poor taste. Now, this is what was interesting. He calls it was a, a crystal penguin. And the question is, is it an emperor crystal penguin? Because if you remember at the beginning of the episode, Jefferson had said, well, Bud was going to the Emperor Hotel to see Crystal. Oh, mm. good catch. <laughs> yeah, good, good catch. I have to, again, thank Annabelle. <laughs> good catch, Annabelle. Kelly, I thought you were out with Maytag. <laughs> Mayhem. He was my 8 o'clock date. My real date is Pimworm. He's picking me up at 11. Well, if he makes bail. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he makes bail. <laughs> that was great. That was pretty funny. <laughs> so Al walks in and, you know, for all the, the abuse that Al's gotten through the years, I'd say this is the most pitiful entrance that Al has ever made in terms of being beaten up. Happy! What is it? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Here's your... Here's your candy. Here's your card. And if you get this in the ground by spring, here's your flowers. 
sprouts. <laughs> oh, Al, you're wonderful. Uh, uh, you're a little slice of heaven yourself. Can I go now? Oh, let's go upstairs together. What? No, wait, we had a deal. No sex? That was on Easter. Well, what's this? Valentine's. Oh, <laughs> yep, yep. You know what I like about this, though, man? Is, you know, I know Alex and, and, and others have touched on this many times in the past, is you need one or two episodes a season where Al or Peggy prove their love to each other. And, you know, despite both of them tormenting each other their entire lives, when it all comes down to it, they, they do love each other. And Al went, to, Al went to all that trouble. He got the ever-loving crap beaten out of him. But, you know, he got... He got her a potted plant, a crumpled up card, and a chocolate. <laughs> Just, but, but it's it's the it's the fact that he proved his love uh, to her that counts. You know what I mean? And then of course he has to pay dearly for it with sex. <laughs> she drags him up the stairs, man. He's like, we had a deal, no sex. <laughs> to me, I think the funniest part of that was the flowers weren't even flowers; they were bean sprouts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 bean sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> But it's the um, thought that counts. It was a sweet, it was a really sweet moment, I thought. It really, it really was, yeah. <laughs> Anything with those two, when it's like that tender moment, I just love it. Yeah. And, and you need that. You need that about once or twice a year because if they're constantly tormenting, tormenting each other and, and they never, ever have these moments, then you, then you, you know, at the end, you'd be like, well, why are they still married? They hate yeah. each other. But you, you need one, one or two of these a year to balance it out. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, you know, and Al's playing that male stereotype. You know, Alyssa, maybe you can help us with this one. <laughs> it's like sort of the forgetful male. It's like, he goes, wait a minute. It's like, you know, we had a deal. It's like, what day is it? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he's like, well, we had a deal, no sex. It's just, that was on Easter. <laughs> well, what's this? <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have any deals with my husband with about no sex, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at that point yet. I've only been married for four years. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So Bud and Kelly talk, and Kelly promises Bud that she'll never forget to give him a Valentine's Day card again. Hey, Bud. What happened with Crystal? Well, I apologized. She understood. And then her bodyguard ski-balled me the entire length of the building. I did, however, meet a lovely woman named Rita. And I learned something. In space, no one really can hear you scream. Good night. I'm really sorry. Listen, if anyone ever gives me a love note for you again, I promise I'll deliver it, okay? And you're not just saying that because you know I'll never get one? Now, there was one little line that I thought was very funny. Uh, Bud says, and I learned something. In space, no one can really hear you scream. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the tagline for the movie Alien, Ridley Scott's 1979 sci-fi horror masterpiece. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> 
That's funny. Yeah. I know that if Alex and team were had been doing this particular episode, they would be all over it. So <laughs> we're doing our best, guys. So if Alex, Dan, and Jamie are listening, I just want to say we're doing our best with the horror stuff. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not a horror fan. So I don't think I've ever even seen that movie. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah have, I, have... I have to rely on other people for this. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. Man, when when Kelly made that promise to never forget to tell Bud, was there any doubt that she was going to forget? <laughs> there is no doubt about it. You know what the next joke, you, you know that somehow, I, I didn't, I mean, I probably wouldn't know that it was going to be Crystal that would come up to the door there, but I figured you, you might think, well, it's going to be some random hot chick at the door that wants to talk to Bud or give him a card and she'll forget. And then lo and behold, you know, it's Crystal Brooks. <laughs> We have a famous episode coming up at the end of this season called Kelly Knows Something, where that is brought to comedic effect. I knew you were going to bring that yep. up. <laughs> yep, 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 good yeah. point. So I, I'll be looking forward to hearing that. I don't know if I'll be on that particular podcast at this point, but uh, I hope uh, I hope everyone tunes in for that because that is, uh, I'd say, definitely a great uh, season ender. Yeah, is that season eight? Season closer. Oh, okay, okay. So Crystal shows up. Kelly? Hmm? I'm Crystal Brooks. Oh, hi. Is Bud here? Yeah, do you want me to get him? No, I've got to get to my concert. Howie Mandel opens for me, and the crowd hates it when I'm late. <laughs> Would you please get him this message? Tell him to meet me at the hotel after the concert. Okay, please. Don't worry, I will. If he stands me up this time, he's had it. Okay, bye. Hey, Bud! Yeah? Whoa, babe, your butt looks bitchin'. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Wait, there's something I was supposed to do. Oh, my coat. <laughs> I would forget in my head if it wasn't attached to. Well, I forgot what it's attached to. <laughs> and when Crystal shows up and gives Kelly the card, she just says, uh, Howie Mandel opens for me and the crowd hates it when I'm late. That was funny. <laughs> so, you know, Howie Mandel has been mentioned before. Yeah. Which, which Not like Joe Piscopo. I mean, Joe Piscopo was uh, savaged on this show. But Howie Mandel uh, got a few digs uh, thrown at him. It was mentioned in season seven, episode 14. It doesn't get any better than this. Mm -hmm. uh, that was actually the episode that I was in. So he's a Canadian comedian, actor, voice actor, and television host. In 1987, Mandel starred alongside Amy Steele in, in the comedy film Walk Like a Man. From 1982 to 1988, he played ER intern Dr. Wayne Fiscus on St. Elsewhere. He was also created and starred in Bobby's World mm -hmm. and um, was a judge on America's Got Talent. He hosted the game show Deal or No Deal. And oh, yeah. uh, if we don't know by now, uh, Meghan Markle was one of the models on Deal or No Deal during its second season. Oh, I didn't know that. And obviously yeah. her dad was the lighting director on Married with Children yeah, during I, this time period. I did know that, yeah. So, Yeah, I, uh, I've i met Howie Mandel. I, lo I love Howie Mandel. I'm, really? Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of America's Got Talent, and I've gone to probably a dozen or so tapings of the show uh, out in California. I, I love Howie Mandel. I think he's hilarious. Good host, too. Yeah, the bald version or the one with hair? <laughs> well, it's kind of like, it's funny, like, I, I, you know, I knew him when he was with hair because he used to do the Bobby's World thing. And when he yeah. would do ventriloquism, uh, you know, he would do stand up. 
And a lot of the jokes I didn't even get at the time, but I just liked the Bobby's World voice. And then I swear I didn't hear anything about him for like 20 years. And then he was on Deal or No Deal. <laughs> yeah. So, and I like, you know, of course I like him on Deal or No Deal. And then America's Got Talent. I'm a, I'm a big AGT guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember him from the days of St. Elsewhere. I remember watching that as a kid. And I remember, uh, and Alyssa, I would say you would probably remember this, mm-hmm. the the music, the theme song for it. Mm, I don't think I watched St. Elsewhere. No? But I did watch Bobby's World. <laughs> I remember okay. on Bobby's World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I'd say like, you know, the, the, we had some TV shows, I feel like in the 80s, used some great opening music. Oh, yeah, for you sure. Know, again, original music. A yep. lot of it was instrumental because, I mean, nowadays it might take a pop song. Oh, uh, I know. But, but back then, I mean, you actually had someone who composed music for the show. Yeah, like and many Miami of those Vice. shows. That's a right. good one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Miami Vice. Um, uh, let me see. Ma- Magnum PI. Mm-hmm. Even shows like Hawaii Five O. I mean, like the, the theme songs are almost just as famous as the shows themselves. I yeah, mean, they, definitely. They made like the top top forty pop charts back in the day. Mm-hmm. So we get to the end. Kelly says, "I would forget my head if it wasn't attached to it." Well, I forgot what it, it was attached to, and that's the end. And she goes off with Pinworm, and Bud misses his chance one more time. Uh. Oh man. <laughs> Terrible. Poor Bud. I mean, we we knew that was coming. Oh yeah, oh, yeah no doubt. <laughs> no, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app, and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, so we're back and we are ready to wrap up the show. So Chris, how many Crystal Penguins do you rate this episode? Well, I'll tell you what, man. I really, really like this episode. Actually, I really love this episode. I think it is full of zingers from start to finish. Uh, the A plot and B plot are both good. I, I'm not even sure. Is, is A plot Al or is A plot Bud here? A plot's <laughs> Bud and then B plot is Al, I think. But yeah, both I would of agree. Them, both of them are exceptional. And they're both plots that we can relate to and rally around, you know, between that that one girl that we, we had a chance with that we let get away for whatever reason. And then, you know, Scram, you know, the B plot scrambling to get our girl a, a present, you know, at the last minute and whatnot. Man, this episode is hilarious. It's written well, it's acted well, it's shown well. And like, I was trying to ask myself, I was like, is this a 4.5 or is it a 5? And the way I determine whether or not an episode is a 5 or not is I asked myself, if someone were to ask me, hey, what's good about Married with Children? Would I show them this episode or not to represent it? And to me, the answer on this is yes. So I'm going to give this five crystal penguins out of five. So there you go. Wow. Okay, great. So, Alyssa, how many (laughs) crystal penguins do you rate this episode? Well, I have a different opinion of the episode. Um, I liked it. I liked the jokes. Um, The plots were funny. I I think I like Al's plot more than Bud's plot. Um, I... 
I thought it was kind of a little off for an episode of Married to Children. You know what I mean? I thought it was kind of not a usual, typical episode. And that's kind of how I thought about it. It just wasn't, it didn't flow as well as an episode usually flows for, for, for Married to Children. But it, that being said, it was pretty, it did make me laugh quite a few times. So I'd probably give it a three. Okay. Three crystal penguins. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually going to give this episode four crystal penguins. Now, I, I love the episode. I think it has some iconic scenes. I really liked Al's. The, I liked the B plot more than the A plot. Uh, although the although the a plot had a couple of uh, a couple of good scenes, I think like the thing with Rita was funny. Although like we know that they'd probably be very controversial. <laughs> the whole setup, I mean, the fact that like you know Bud can't win, it, it you know it's become a trope. Obviously, you know Al <laughs> trying to get out of sex is a trope, but um, I really enjoyed the B plot more. Just watching that, and what's interesting in the B plot was is that there wasn't as, a lot of dialogue there. It was like a quick scene. You know, first Al's trying to buy the chocolate. You know, then he's trying to buy the flowers. And then he's like, trying to get the card. And they go really, really quick. That's kind of why I rated it the way I did, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, for me, it's like, for me to get a five, it, to, like, it has to shoot on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. The A plot has to be spectacular. The B plot needs to be spectacular. Uh, and I'll just say... It's harder, I'd say, as you get into the later seasons, the way Alex always said this to me, it's like, we have to rate each episode on its own merits. Now, one of the things that, you know, I've spoken to Chris about, as, you know, we've gotten to know each other as co-hosts, is when you look at earlier seasons, you know, the, 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 the quality of the writing, I felt, was, you know, light years ahead of what we get in seasons 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah. I know that for this episode, uh, I watched the Valentine's, uh, the, the Valentine's Day episode from six years ago because I wanted to get a feel for like this continuity. I mean, we have to obviously need to do our research. So looking at season two, Peggy loves Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a rock solid episode when you look at the writing. Absolutely. You know, so comparing it to today's episode, oh, again, the episode from 1994, I mean, you can see where it's like this comedic effect. You have the um, the Looney Tunes piece where like Bud is dragged around the hotel by the dog. Mm-hmm. It's a silly type of funny. It's not, to me, sophisticated funny. This no. is when Married with Children starts to get into slapstick. Yes. Yeah. And when you look at early seasons, there is no, the, the slapstick is really not there. The slapstick is all done verbally. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? So I was thinking... I'm actually going to change mine to a 4.5. I think he convinced me. No, I, I still really, really like this episode. I love it. But I, I don't know that I want to put it as a 5 compared to, uh, like, uh, You Better Shop Around. And, right. And uh, All Night Security Dude is another one of my favorites. Oh. And Al, Al, with, Al with Kelly with Pamela Anderson, you know, and uh, <laughs> the Sam Kinison two-parter and so, so, so on and so forth. I still really love this episode, so I'm going to – but I'm going to change my my rating to a 4.5. You convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, it was not the first time people have changed their uh, – have, have changed their uh, uh, ratings on these. But, I mean, I don't think that, you know – and, again, I just want to be clear. 
we should never really change our ratings based on another person's opinion. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, what I find funny is not going to be the same as what somebody else finds funny. Right. Although, you know, I can't, I still can't forgive, uh, you know, Alex and uh, Jerry on the Ferguson episode. Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, Last yeah. That episode. That that's the only time I've probably ever uh, dis like wholeheartedly disagree with Alex. Like normally, pretty much whatever he says, I agree with, and we're on the same page. But man, me and him were very very far apart on that one. <laughs> it, it, he, I was pretty surprised that he didn't like. You, you're talking about a, a a dump of my own, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could not. What did he rate that one? Like a three or something? Or I, I don't know. He rated it low, and I'm like, I can't believe this. But hey, it's you know, people do have different opinions. So yeah, and I just want to point out, you know, Peggy loves Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was written by Ralph Farquhar, and you know, you're talking about like you know a five star uh, writer for the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, many of the scripts that he produced were beyond excellent. I'd say, you know, after, you know, scripts by Ron Levitt and Michael Moy, Val Farquhar is one of the, those, you know, at the top of the list, like Stacey Lip, Eleanor Fogel. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Catherine Green. You know, and again, um, interesting. Most of the most of the major writers were either female or minorities. Yeah. So, I mean, again, kudos to Married with Children and kudos, you know, to the show's creators for giving people chances on this. Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, they did excellent jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I said I was going, and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot <laughs> in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Wow, I cannot believe this episode landed on Valentine's Day. This just keeps ha What? It didn't this time. And it won't. For, oh. Okay. Um. Yeah. Pretty close to Valentine's Day. Sort of, right? Yeah, I mean, man. January 6th. That's, that's right there. Well, either way. Al's poetry was epic. I love your hooters. I love your ass. Let's say we meet after class. What girl wouldn't that work on? I ask you. Kelly not giving Bud a valentine. All those years ago. So Kelly of her. Which will be proven in 20 minutes. Six years ago. Ouch. D is for day. I think the dollar gift is right up there with the motor oil on their 16th anniversary. Kelly's boyfriends. True dirtbags. God, I've missed those days. What a sight for sore eyes. I felt like I was watching season four. I mean, that was just great. God, I miss it. But we did get neuter recently. Bud stealing Jefferson's flowers. Wow. The bodyguard at the door is such a typical goofy 90s tough guy. 
I mean, yeah, he has my current haircut, but um, it's a lot goofier on him. All the interactions, though, with the security guard and Bud, just great, great physical comedy, just a fun time. How come Jefferson wasn't with Al, buying all those crappy gifts? Oh, right, he had a credit card. Al did waste a lot of money, though. I mean, he might as well have had a credit card. A flower pot and seeds. Yeah, that is uh, amazing. Excellent fight choreographed, too, with all the guys fighting over that one card. Bud talking to the wrong girl first at the door. <laughs> Crystal seemed like a cool chick, actually, especially with the uh, proposition later on. But Pinworm ruined all that. Al looked worse here than he did after that fight with uh, Ray Ray. Bud gets a second chance, but Kelly will be Kelly. And she honestly just didn't remember. She thought she had to remember to put her coat on. <laughs> I mean, God, you, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. This might fall short under, like, certain types of scrutiny. But uh, I'm sorry. As an episode, like just a Married Children episode that I watched in the 90s and stuff, and I got to admit, even even this time around, I loved this. You know, it's so memorable. Fun. It was just a really fun time when I just watched it. I, I give it a 4.5 out of 5. I think this hits everything, you know. Um, Kelly's boyfriends, the fighting... The stuff with Bud in the hotel, um, he carried the episode, you know? Jefferson stuff. The whole punch at the end with Jefferson and Marcy. Um, Peg, you know, eh. Kelly, great. I mean, look at, she. the whole thing revolved around her stupidity, really. Except for Al's plight. But yeah, I mean, it was just great from beginning to end. I really liked it. 4.5 out of 5, man. That's Al, folks! Okay, so before we wrap up, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was really a thrill for us to have you. Thanks. We, you know, this season, as you've been listening to the podcast, we have a whole new set of people's voices maybe you haven't heard before. You know, Chris, for example, Matt Thompson. We've had a few new people in Australia mm-hmm. with the Team Australia that have, um, you know, opined on Married with Children episodes. So we're very happy to get you to join us. And hopefully we'll have you back sometime. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. It was fun. It was a pleasure uh, working with you, Alyssa. Uh, Thanks, you to too. T- talk to you again sometime. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good, guys. Thank you very much. So next week on the Married with Children podcast, when Al decides to sell his old car, the people at the Dodge Corporation inform him that if he can get his Dodge's odometer up to all nines, the car will take part in a commercial, breaking the one million mile mark, and Al will be awarded a brand new Dodge Viper. But can Al and his Dodge survive 24 hours until the film crew can arrive? Meanwhile, Bud sends his dim-witted sister Kelly out to find Waldo. So thank you very much, and tune in next week. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.